My name is Sarah Dudnitz, and you're listening to PR Hangover, a public relations podcast brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter. All right, so we'll get started then. So if you guys just want to go ahead and introduce yourselves a little sure. bit about you. Sure. Um, my name is Molly Barnett, and I am a co-owner of Grapevine Public public relations is that how we say it (laughs) um and I am from Miami Florida um I went to NYU which is when I moved to New York City I always really loved Broadway and theater but I have no talent so I wanted to figure out a way to work in theater behind the scenes um I didn't know what that meant or what the options were and my freshman year of college, I sort of randomly found an internship on Playbill.com, which has a great job section um, for a theatrical press agent. And I did not know what a theatrical press agent was. I, they, you know, they listed their some of their clients in the internship ad. At the time, some of their clients were Rent and Hairspray on Broadway, which were two of my favorite shows. So I sort of thought, I don't know what a press agent is, but I love Rent, so this sounds interesting. And I ended up interning there. The firm was called Richard Kornberg and Associates. Richard Kornberg is a brilliant press agent who worked for the public theater under Joe Papp and you know did the original production of Rent on Broadway. And um, I ended up interning there sort of on and off all through college and very quickly realized that being a theatrical press agent was sort of a perfect combination of my interests and my skills. And um, so I, I would say I sort of fell into it, but I think I fell into like the exact right place in the theater industry for me. Um, and I know Chelsea has sort of a similar story, but I will let her tell it. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm Chelsea Nackman. I'm the other co-owner of Great Brian. Great BR. We both did the exact thing. BR. Um, and kind of similar story. I grew up on Long Island, New York, and was always a fan of theater, living so close to New York City. Uh, My family would come in for birthdays and holidays and special occasions, and I went away to school at the University of Michigan, which has a huge theater program, but ironically, I was not involved with that at all in my four years there. I actually majored in psychology, Uh, but when I had left New York City, I realized, like, something was missing. I was missing something, and I quickly figured out it was theater, so... I applied to some summer internships also through Playbill.com's job listing section, which has a a vast listing. Um, And I applied to about 17 places, resume and cover letter, the whole spiel, um, different, you know, firms, advertising, marketing, PR, producing, producing offices. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I wasn't an onstage talent, but I knew there was some some way I would want to be involved. And I heard back from one, which was a firm called O&M, and someone named Molly Barnett interviewed me for <laughs> my first internship. And I started working there in the summer of 2010. And we, Molly and I worked together on every account for seven and a half to eight years. And then we kind of led ourselves here. But I think the interesting thing is both of us didn't actually necessarily have an interest in public relations. We had an interest in theater and found that public relations was a really good way for us to work in theater and have an impact and do interesting things. Um, But, you know, I always sort of say, if you you like PR, work for another industry, work in PR for another industry. If you like theater, 
theater PR is a really good place for you. I think just in general, people who succeed in theatrical public relations do so because they they love theater. Um, not necessarily right. You you definitely have to have a passion for theater, which is probably true of many public relation jobs. You know, Mm -hmm. like it obviously helps if you like the industry, you believe in what you're selling and talking about. But I think particularly with theater. Um, you have to be incredibly passionate about theater and not more so than loving public relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we both said, we both didn't know what this job was or that it existed. And I think all the time if I'd heard back from a marketing agency instead of O&M, I'm sure I would have been happy and fine there. But it just was super you know, serendipitous that I landed where I did because it immediately became clear that this was the right path for me. and. Yeah you know, hit on all of my skill sets, and it was a great place to land. So for people who have maybe never heard the term, like, theatrical PR, um, do you guys kind of want to explain what it is you do? Sure. I mean, we're called press agents, which is, like, really an old-school way of saying publicists, but, but, you know, back in the day, they, even, like, movie publicists were called press agents. Um, and theater is just very slow to adapt, so we still call ourselves press agents. Um, but theatrical PR, I mean, what we do now is a little bit different than what we did when we first started and when we worked for O&M, which is a theatrical PR firm that mainly their clients are Broadway shows. Um, so when your client is a Broadway show, you are hired by the producer um, you work for that show specifically. You don't work for the theater. You don't work for the produce. You know, you don't work mm-hmm. for the actor or the producer as their publicist. But you are hired by the that producer to do that show specifically. Okay. Um, and you kind of handle every aspect of it that is public facing. That's not paid advertisements essentially. So. If you're looking through a newspaper and you see a full-page ad for Dear Evan Hansen, the musical, that is not the PR firm. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking through the newspaper and you see an interview with the new star of Dear Evan Hansen, or you see a performance on television on the Today Show, or you see a page six sighting in the New York Post about a celebrity that was there, that all comes via the press office. Okay. Um, so we're essentially the liaison between the show and the public. Mm-hmm. If some if someone in the cast is talking to the public via either a journalist or an interview or however it may be, that's set up by our office. We also really control the imaging that comes from a show. So if you're seeing production photos of a show online or on social media or in print, um, Usually the press office is the one who hires the photographer to photograph the show, works with the photographer and the creative team and producers to decide which specific scenes we are going to set up, what the final photos that are sent, made available to the press are. Um, same thing goes with, B, with video, which is, we call B-roll. Um, you know, what scenes will be shot for video, what portions of the song will be sent to available for the press or the public. So it's really, I mean, controlling the image and the narrative of a show from the bottom up. Um, We also are involved in the show 
in, in an ideal circumstance, a press agent is involved in the show from before it's ever announced. So the press agent is making the initial announcement that a show is happening. They're making the casting announcements. They're creating a campaign leading up to a show's opening night, which includes inviting critics and feature writers and TV producers and all of that. Um, then guiding the show through an award season campaign if it's something that is eligible for Tony Awards, Drama Desk Awards, there's like a slew of, of theater awards. Most people have heard of the Tony Awards, but there's like a million others and it creates sort of like a real award season in the same way that the film industry has an award season, it's just no one's ever heard of the theater award season. Um, and, and you know, in an ideal circumstance, you're with a show until it closes. I mean, there's every once in a while a press office will either resign or get fired or for whatever reason but for you know nine times out of ten you're with a show from the second it's announced to the second it closes and sometimes even beyond that when it's on tour or it opens abroad yeah and now in this new venture what we're doing is we have strayed away from representing shows as a whole and we're now focused on individual representation so we are now currently working with actors composers directors um, on their individual quote-unquote campaigns and their careers and their stories as opposed to when we used to work on productions and you were in charge of every single person involved from backstage crew to the creative team to the actors to the producer. We are now more streamlined in our focus on individual representation. So the job itself as publicist is still the same. It's still to, like Molly said, control the narrative between the client and the public and every public-facing, you know, image, TV appearance, interview, everything like that is still being set up through us. We're still the liaison there. It is just a different focus on the individual's story, the individual's traje trajectory, um, as opposed to all of the moving pieces that a production entails. So the job is still the same. It's just a different way of doing it. Yeah. So you guys kind of hit on this in that you didn't even know really what a press agent was, you kind of fell into the role, but would you say um, just your love of theater is sort of what guided you here, or how did For you sure. end up here? Yeah. Yeah, I think both of us knew we wanted to be involved in theater in some capacity, so that's what led us both to Playbill.com, it's what led me to sending 17 different resumes and cover letters. I didn't know what I wanted to do, I just mm -hmm. knew I so desperately wanted to be involved in theater, because I had such a passion for it, and it was... It kind of grew from a hobby growing up into a passion when I left, ironically, when I left the state. I realized that this part of me was really you know, yearning for theater. So, and what Molly said earlier is you really need a passion to even do this job because there are very high demands on publicists. It's kind of crazy now, especially with social media and all these things, your phone is kind of attached to your hand 24 hours a day and you're really on call as if you were a heart surgeon. <laughs> but, you know, we have this joke that there is no such thing as a playbill emergency, but we get that email all the time. Like, it's as if you're on call. Yeah. And it's just, so if you didn't have this deep love for it, you'd grow resentful very quickly. So, you know, the reason we were at L&M for almost a decade and then now started this slightly adjacent new venture but still very much in the world of theater is because we love it so much. Mm -hmm. 
and it's certainly not because you know this is where the money is or <laughs> anything like that it's just kind of where we've built our lives and this shift happened when we left our old firm not because you know anything went wrong or we didn't love it as much we just felt we had plateaued where we were mm -hmm. and needed a bit of a change and to challenge ourselves so we started this new venture but our we couldn't have done that without have having had a decade at mm -hmm. our old firm which was lovely and our boss Rick Montez was a fantastic mentor and he taught us all about big ideas and we couldn't have done this without him and I think honestly passion is related to the key word because do it without it. Yeah, we're not in it for any other reason. Yeah. I think for me, while I very much accidentally fell into theater PR, like I, when I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a casting director. Um, and there's a casting director named Bernie Telsey who runs a company called Telsey & Co. who does all of, not all of, there are many wonderful mm -hmm. theater casting directors. But, you know, it was one of the biggest casting directors for Broadway musicals. And he was sort of, as a person living in Miami who had no real connection to Broadway other than just loving it as a fan, he was the one casting director I had heard of. Um, and I really wanted to intern for Bernie Telsey. So I applied for an internship there my freshman year of college. And they, I was told that they only accept full-time interns. So I wasn't able to intern there as a freshman, obviously, because I was also going to school. So I ended up, in lieu of interning at a casting office, interning at a press office. Um, and it's funny because I ultimately eventually interned at Telsey and realized very quickly that being a casting director was not for me. Um, but by that time, I had already interned at two different theatrical press offices. I had already figured out that it was like a really good use of my skills and my interests. I came from a journalism background, so I loved the writing part of it. I loved working with journalists. I loved the way you were able to liaise with the producers and the talent and sort of you know everyone involved in making a show and I I always wonder what would have happened if I would have and if I would have interned at Telsey and Co before I did a press internship because maybe I would have loved it and I wouldn't have known right. that there was something right. better out there for yeah. me um, so I think we both just sort of got really lucky and and fell into a, a role that suited us really well mm -hmm. um, so you guys had mentioned you had worked for a different firm for a while and now you're on this new venture, just the mm -hmm. two of you. Um, what was that process like? Well, I mean, I have been two years now. at O&M almost since its inception. So mm -hmm. my senior year of college, Rick Miramontes started O&M and I went to work for him my senior year of college. And I, it was the only, the only real job I ever had out of um, college. And when I started there, it was like a little tiny four-person firm that did mostly off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. So I was really lucky in that I, I got to grow with the company. Um, I had way more responsibility than I probably should have had as a 23-year-old just because it was a new firm and they were expanding quickly. And, um, and we did some really, Chelsea and I together as a team did some really incredible shows there. You know, we worked on Kinky Boots, we worked on Fun Home, we worked on Beautiful, the Carol King musical. We had some really amazing campaigns, both in terms of selling and marketing a show that became long running and lasted, you know, toured and went to different countries. 
and also that won Tonys and were critically successful and financially successful. Um, and I, I won't speak for Chelsea, I'll let her answer this question, but I think we kind of just hit a place where as much as we loved it, we wanted to try something new. You know, we had the, the great fortune of working on all of these amazing shows and we were like, okay, what's next for us? Um, we really liked working with Broadway talent. We were, there was a sort of a trend happening at the time. It was right after Hamilton opened and there was a trend of musical theater actors hiring personal publicists which was not always the norm. I mean, now I think almost every lead actor in a musical or play hires a publicist if they didn't have one before. But that wasn't the, the trend at the time. You know, I think if you were a big movie star, you had a publicist and that publicist worked with you on your show. But other than that, most of the people in the show didn't have publicists and worked through the show's press agent. Um, so we were sort of, we had a week where we got two different calls from theater actors or their representation asking if we would work with them as their personal publicist even though that's not what we did at O&M you know we worked on shows we had Dear Evan Hansen and Sunday in the Park with George we were really sort of overwhelmed and struggling and busy and so we had to say no and we kind of looked at each other and was like that's interesting is this a niche in the industry a void that needs to be filled um, because if they're calling us and this isn't what we do maybe there's a need for this and maybe this is a great way for us to transition to the next steps. Um, we also did not, I mean, we didn't really think about starting a business and I think if we had really sort of thought about starting a business, we wouldn't have done it. So I'm glad that we were just like, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so overall, what has been sort of one of the biggest challenges that you guys have had to face in this career? I feel like, for me personally, I think the answer to this question should be more along the lines of, you know, hardships I faced as a woman in the industry or coming up like that. But honestly and luckily, we haven't experienced anything really out. This kind of sounds bad. Out of the ordinary, I guess, in terms of that. Like there has been, I wouldn't say that was like the biggest um, hardship we faced. For me personally, it has been the lack of balance between a work life and a personal life. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in charge of a show, you, like we said, there are many moving parts and there are lots of people involved. And like Molly just explained, we were fortunate enough to work on long running shows. So we worked on Peter and the Starcatcher, Star into Kinky Boots, into Beautiful, into Fun Home, into Dear Evan Hansen. And which all kind of overlapped, like Beautiful is still running, Kiki Boots just very sadly closed, but after six amazing years. So normally the lifespan of the show was about a year to a year and a half, I would say, unfortunately, but that's why, you know, you keep getting new productions, which is also wonderful. Right, right. So it's kind of bittersweet. But so for, for me and for Molly, we had been just adding shows to our roster instead of continuing exactly. to cycle through shows. So there was a time where we're on four big musicals at once, opening two in the same season. It just really becomes overwhelming, and it really leaves little time for a personal life. Like, people used to say to me, and like, how's work going? Like, great, like, how's life? Like, I just answered you. Like, there was truly no difference. There were canceled birthday dinners, can't, like, plans were canceled all the time, but 
for the you know eight years I worked there in my 20s that was great and I was living my dream there I had no problem with that and I think when about two years ago entering the 30s new decade we both were kind of ready for a change and to open up our lives in different ways while still doing what we loved so that was a catalyst for me for going from our old firm to starting this new business was really trying to open up that possibility of a more balanced lifestyle and I think we both really found that so it's been for me a huge success overall just in terms of of balancing that out I mean I completely agree with Chelsea you know I think the work-life balance was something we both struggled with a lot and I think most theatrical press agents struggle with a lot um, I also think you know to sort of answer the question in a more traditional sense one of the biggest challenges we have is trying to make Broadway relevant beyond local New York City. Um, just as a publicist, I think when you pitch things or when you're talking to national outlets or TV, um, there's the, well, we need to make it, you know, we have a national audience, we need to make it more national because this is just in New York City. And, you know, I think there's this statistic, like, like people spend more money the Broadway industry brings in more money than all of the New York sports teams combined. So, you know, the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, the Jets, the Knicks, like, and no one thinks that those are like, the Yankees are a local story. Like the Yankees are national and Broadway brings in more money than all of those things combined. And people come from all over the country and all over the world to see Broadway shows. So getting people to understand that it is a national story I think is sort of one of the biggest challenges we face as theater publicists. I will say that Hamilton has helped that a lot Mm -hmm. because Hamilton was such a gigantic hit that it became a national story and it made pop culture writers and people who typically wouldn't cover Broadway because it was too local start paying attention to Broadway. So Hamilton has actually been pretty incredible for the Broadway industry in terms of helping people understand that it's a pop culture thing and not a New York thing. But that, over the course of, you know, the 15 years I've been working in theater PR has definitely been a challenge. So interesting how Hamilton changed. It really, I mean, Hamilton really did. And for the, I would say the first, like, two years that Hamilton was open, it was actually really hard for every other show. Because no one wanted to talk about any Broadway show except for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And a lot of other shows suffered not only in terms of press coverage, which obviously directly affects us, but in ticket sales because people who see, you know, three, four shows a year would spend four times the amount that they normally spend on a ticket to see Hamilton, and that would be their one Broadway show of the year instead of seeing four. But now that it's sort of, like, leveled out and there's new shows opening, and um, I think Hamilton has changed the industry in a really, really positive way. Um, now for the question I'm most excited about, what is it, your favorite thing about what you do? We have different answers for this, but like whenever she says hers, I'm like, yeah, that's mine too. Whenever I say mine, she's like, yeah, I love that too. But my personal favorite part is the personal relationships that we form with our clients because, you know, similar to agents and managers, publicists really require a level of trust between the client and the publicist that elevates the relationship to a very specific and close place. You know, there are certainly people that we've worked with that things don't work out as well as we would have liked them to, but Molly and I are very, we 
want to be as honest as possible with our clients. So we want them to be as honest as possible with us to build this trust. And I want to be able to look at you and say like, I know you don't want to do this right now, but trust me, you have to do this. And I also want you to feel comfortable enough looking at me saying, I know you want me to do this right now, but I'm not doing this right now. And it goes both ways. And you know, 15 year old me as a fangirl sitting in my room on Long Island listening to the wedding singer cast recording and now you know some of these people are some of my best friends through this job that we've created is really just you know a pinch me moment almost daily Mm -hmm. you know and so like Molly and I have actually kind of become a little jaded about it sometimes too like you know we have a lot of luckily have long-running shows and have celebrities coming all the time and we each have the people we're excited about, like Mershka Hargitay came to Kinky Boots and I almost cried. I, I think I did cry. Get starstruck. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel yeah. like there's, there's like a people. few people we both get starstruck about, and then there's people who different. like normal people would be starstruck about, and we're like, ugh, do we really Correct. have to go to the theater to do this photo? Correct. That, right. So very privileged in that way as well. But honestly, I think the the relationships that we are able to form because we have to, like that is our job, is still. Like I said, a pinch me moment. Like standing in the back of the theater at Dear Evan Hansen when there's a new cast member or, uh, you know, an, a third-year anniversary, which we're coming up to, things like that. And I get to witness this show, the last 20 minutes of it, or, like, because it's my job to be there, that will never get old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I certainly agree with everything Chelsea just said. I think for me, my favorite part of the job is sort of getting to actually see the impact of what we do um, in, like, the legacy of the show. I think, you know, Fun Home is a really good example because Fun Home is a show that is, you know, was off-Broadway, and when they first talked about moving it to Broadway, everyone was sort of like, why are they doing that? It's about, you know, a lesbian, and it's this little tiny chamber musical that no one's going to pay money to see. Like, it's one thing to do off-Broadway, but it's never going to have success on Broadway. And, you know, we from the very beginning like our goal was to make as many people see fun home as possible and obviously it's an amazing show written by Janine Tesori and Lisa Crone and directed by Sam Gold and they did an incredible job and the cast was all wonderful but Janine once said to me you know thank you so much for what you guys have done and I'm like you guys did this like you wrote this beautiful show and she said I know but it doesn't matter if no one wants to see it Um, And so that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, what we do actually can have an impact and Fun Home can run all over the country and open in London and be performed at high schools and, you know, regional theaters because it won a Tony and because it was successful on Broadway. And um, I think that, you know, seeing a press campaign and the stories get told, we did one thing with Fun Home where a bunch of people from the UN's um, LGBT coalition came to see the show. And there were people from countries where you literally are killed if you're gay. You know, representatives from those countries who had never seen a LGBT story before, let alone known a gay person. And they were sort of like, this made me realize gay people are just regular people who have regular stories. And it's moments like that that you realize what you do actually has an impact um, that make me really grateful to do this job. That's awesome. Yeah, that answer too. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any public relations trends that you guys see happening right now in the theater world? 
Well, we sort of talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit, but I think people hiring personal publicists is a trend totally. that, again, I totally attribute to Hamilton because in Hamilton, everyone hired a publicist because they were in this okay. like mega musical. Yeah. Um, and now it happens really often. Yeah. Social media is huge now, even to the point where if a casting director is down to two people, they will literally look at your number of followers and that may influence their decision. Yeah. So it is kind of nuts how the world has really taken off that way and in terms of you know quote-unquote stunt casting sometimes which is what long-running shows sometimes implement and usually it's wonderful and these people are super talented and um but it really is just about a numbers game nowadays which is kind of fascinating and so a lot of our clients who we talk to who don't have that you know super stardom even though they're a level theater mm-hmm. you know theater talent in the quote-unquote real world of Instagram and these influencers, they don't stack up to the millions and millions of followers that a reality TV star has for whatever reason. And I feel like a lot of the people we're talking to now are really trying to up their social content, asking questions about what to post, when to post, how to post, how to promote posts, what's best to do when, and it's really just kind of taken over in terms of the importance of it. But it used to just be this fun, like, behind-the-scenes look at the theater, what, look, see what we're doing backstage, and it's now really become important as a tool for, quote-unquote, building a brand, which <laughs> I don't like using that word. But. I also think it affects PR specifically because, you know, we'll pitch stories, and the first thing a journalist will do is look at how many social followers that person has because they want that person to repost their article and if you know their editors want to make sure that a online story gets as many clicks as possible, and if you have a hundred thousand followers and you do an interview with them, chances are it's going to get more views than if you have seven thousand followers. Um, it also, I think, we have to be hyper aware of what's posted on social media because news outlets pick that up as news. So if you post a photo at rehearsal and we haven't announced a cast member or something. You know, a lot of times it blows our really well thought out strategic announcement and we don't get to do things on our terms because someone has posted something online that they weren't supposed to post. A news outlet has seen that and posted it. So, I mean, it's all just, I think the, the, obviously social media is a huge thing in every industry, but the way it affects theatrical PR specifically, I think in the last few years has changed the way we do our jobs. It's also, it's just really interesting. There are lots of fine lines when it comes to social because, you know, you want to be aware of what people are posting and you want to even sometimes control a narrative. Like when you have, what Molly said, when you have news, there are specific times or plans in place for that and you want to make sure it's going, you know, along the same course. But you also don't want to censor anybody on social media. But at the same time, if you are representing a brand, there are some gray areas here. So it's, a bit of a learning curve for everyone like literally every day like each day is something new like how do we handle this is it better to engage is it better to not engage do you you know it's not a new trend certainly Instagram and Twitter have been around for years and years and years but now these tools have become like super important and very much like it's instantaneous so you have to be really hyper aware of everything at all times so to wrap up Hypothetically, if you could go back and talk to yourself at 20 years old, or me, what advice would you have for someone who wants to do what you do? Um, 
I, you know, it's funny because I was doing this when I was 20 years old. I was interning, I think, but I was doing it already. Um, I would say learn as much as you can about theater. Um, there's a thing called the Broadway Briefing that's sort of like the skim for Broadway. So it, it the like, I think it's just broadwaybriefing.com. You can sign up and it's a newsletter in your inbox every morning that sort of um, recaps all of the important news stories in the theater industry from the previous day. And it's a really good tool for learning the important things happening, the important people in the industry, the important companies in the industry. And I always recommend people sign up for that. Um, if possible, intern in New York City. Mm -hmm. I know that's, you know, you ha it's an expensive place and you have to be financially able to do it. But if you can, intern. Um, even if it's not an internship in exactly what you think you want to do, like maybe you want to do theater PR and you can't get a theater PR internship, intern for a theater marketing office or a theater advertising agency because it's a really small industry and everybody knows each other. And if I look at a resume, I'm much more inclined to hire someone who worked for another theater office than someone who just worked for a PR office that has nothing to do with theater um, yeah. because it's such a specific industry. For sure. Yeah, even just building on that, like you said, it's so small and everyone knows everybody, so you really get the opportunity to learn the players, even if you're not in the specific field you want to be in, which is so important to know when... X, well, X producer calls to know like this is an important person like really just you know immersing yourself in the world as much as possible but I would also say as we've said many times before passion for theater is so important and you don't need to have on stage talent to be passionate about it um, it really is just such a lifestyle this career so it's 100% you know, your livelihood. So what would I say to my 20 year old self? I guess like stick with it and maybe listen to something other than a legally blonde cash recording every once in a while. <laughs> maybe switch it up a bit. Um, like I said, I pinch me moments every day. I don't think I would, if I knew, like you said, the people who would be liking an Instagram photo or whose numbers I have in my phone and who are some of my dearest, dearest friends. I, I You could have told me that at 20 and I would have, Died. Yeah. <laughs> really died. And I couldn't have paid you a million dollars to make that come true. But that's and funny because every once in a while I will be complaining about something to one of my parents and my dad will be like, you literally would have paid $10,000 to be able to do this when you were in high school and now you're complaining about it. Yeah. And like that's a nice reality check every once in a while. Totally. That's like we're very lucky to do what we do. Totally. And I think you really need that passion. Again, we are, we are jaded. We complain a lot we work really hard but at the end of the day we're incredibly <laughs> grateful because we work in an industry that we love and we only like grew up as as fans without even realizing yeah. it could actually be our job and we would get paid to do it honestly not, not a lot but we do get paid <laughs> <laughs> debatable like truly at the end of the day we are just huge theater fans mm -hmm. like we love theater we complain about it all the time but we love it um so I always think that passion is super important. Honestly, in any industry, mm -hmm. I would recommend that people are passionate about what they're doing because, you know, I love going to work every day, and by that I mean moving from my bed to my couch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but looking forward to 
reading emails and answering things that I'm passionate about. Like, it truly makes all the difference. So you guys get to be theater fans for a living. Yeah. That's yeah. So cool. We both had to tone it down a little bit when we started being Definitely. professionals, which is like actually an important thing. 100%. Because as much as like the most successful people in this industry, I think are theater fans, if you're like too much of a fangirl or fanboy, right. it, it, you know, there's still like a professional line. Yeah. Um, I learned very quickly when I started my internship. 10 years ago like oh I'd much rather be known as Chelsea from the press office than Chelsea from the stage door so it was a very quick <laughs> but that was like a very real realization I had like I still talk about it today with like many many theater actors <laughs> and Tony winners and all these people like remember when I I don't shy away from it at all I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm like remember when I wrote you handwritten letters once a week and sent them to your theater and everyone's like we did <laughs> we do remember it and now I'm here thank having, god you didn't have twitter when you were a child oh my now gosh. I'm sitting here with you at the bar having a drink and isn't life strange <laughs> so oh my goodness awesome well thank you guys so much for I hope you've enjoyed listening to PR Hangover. If you'd like, you can give us a follow on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA, and you can check out our show notes at GVPRSSA.com.